Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Father, please help us this morning. As we open up your word to Isaiah, Would his words be a comfort to our hearts? Father, would you speak truth to us? And would you help us see how the coming of your Son Jesus brings peace to our lives? So for those who are weak, would you bring them peace this morning? To those who have been backslidden, and are running from you like the prodigal son, would you convict them and lead them to repentance? And for those whose hearts are far from you, whose hearts are as hard as stone right now, would you show them that your son Jesus brings divine peace, the peace that they've been looking for all along? Amen. As I mentioned last week, we are in an Advent series. Now, if you weren't here or you don't remember, Advent is the season that takes place to remember the arrival of Christ. It's this time of December 1st to December 24th that readies our hearts for the Arrival of Christ. Why do we do this? We do this because we're forgetful people. I, I hardly remember what I had for lunch yesterday. I think it was a donut. So I, I think that Advent is a great opportunity to remind us of what King Jesus has done for us and what King Jesus will do for us. Really, this is what Advent does. It causes us to look back and see that God has been faithful to keep His promises. And this informs us to have hope that He will keep His promises. So what is His promises? What is this promise? That He would send an offspring. He would send an offspring to crush the head of the serpent, to make things right and bring peace between man and God. Peace. Peace. I don't know about you, but doesn't peace sound good right about now? Peace from the political mayhem that every day we wake up to. Peace about our future. Peace with our finances. Peace concerning your kids. Peace about your health. 
I wonder if you've been able to see how people have been grabbing for peace recently. It's been a time of seeking mental peace. Go to therapy. Take deep breaths. Eat healthy. Work out. Meditate. Then, then, you'll have peace in this life. Now, please hear me, that's not saying or critiquing that. I think those are good things to seek. I won't come up here and say you should eat unhealthy. But our soul longs for peace that those things can't quite give us. And every grab at a false peace only leads us to further to despair. You see, this is why I'm growing more and more fond of Advent myself. Advent isn't for the put together. Advent isn't for the strong. It's not for a false peace seeker who looks around at the world burning down and says, everything's going to be okay. Let's just take another deep breath together. No. The Advent season is for the the weary. The Advent season is for the, the staggering. Those that are just trying to make it another day. The ones who are seeking fairness and justice. The ones who have had enough of the cheap peace that this world offers and is looking for a more precious peace. You see, in our passage today, we are seeing the Messiah prophesied about. When Isaiah is prophesying this, Israel is in a pretty bleak situation. They're in exile. It's not the ideal situation for them. And so we get a better understanding of what we hope in this week by seeing how the Messiah came. what type of authority he possesses, and and a look at what type of ruler he is. So, So here's what I'd like us to see this morning. The arrival of Christ is the arrival of peace we long for. The arrival of Christ is the arrival of peace we long for. And we'll see this in a few different ways this morning. We'll see this in how the Messiah came. We'll see this in his authority and the type of ruler he is. So how does the Messiah come? Stories are important, right? Isaiah tells us a bit about the Messiah's origin story. Now, to be fair, he doesn't go into great detail, does he here? But he does tell us two important things. A child is born... And to us, a son is given. Now, this isn't a deep dive origin story. Child is born. This child is a son. It's the briefest origin story possible. George Lucas took three 
films to explain Darth Vader's origin story, and Isaiah gives us about ten words. So let's round out this origin story to get a better idea of the peace that Jesus brings. An angel comes to Mary. Mary's a small town girl. She's living in an obscure place. Some of you thought I was going to go there. (laughs) This angel tells her that God will override natural conception and she will conceive and bear a child as a virgin. This is scandalous. This is outrageous. This is a miracle. Mary is not married. She's betrothed to Joseph. So she's kind of married to Joseph, but not fully married to Joseph. So I wonder if you were in Mary's shoes, if you would have been filled with peace in that moment. Here comes the Messiah who's going to bring peace on earth. Do you think Mary felt peace as she is processing and thinking through what's taking place? You see, when Joseph then finds out, he wants to quietly divorce her. Does that seem peaceful? An angel comes and explains everything to him. Would that have been peaceful? I mean, can you imagine all the small town talk that was going on? Just imagine with me for a moment. Did you see Mary? I didn't think her and Joseph had tied the knot yet. I thought Joseph, I thought he was a righteous man. But look at the mess that him and Mary are in now. Are you serious? Did you hear their excuse? They think they're special enough to carry the Son of God. They're going around telling people that God did this. Now, this doesn't seem very peaceful, does it? On top of that, to make matters worse, because of a census, they have to travel to Bethlehem. Now, we have the privilege of reading in Micah and seeing how this is a prophecy, but to them, they thought this was just a census that was taking place. So they had to travel to Bethlehem. And Mary had to travel to Bethlehem while she was pregnant. Now look, I've never been pregnant. I don't believe I'll ever be pregnant. I think it's impossible for me to be pregnant. But my wife has been pregnant. In fact, she's been pregnant twice. And I've gone on those third trimester walks with her. Now we get far... But we don't get a Bethlehem far. 
And here's Mary and Joseph packing up what they have, taking a, a donkey, and going to Bethlehem. Now that is a third trimester walk. But there's more. They get to Bethlehem. She goes into labor. And she has this promised offspring, this son, outside. She lays him in a manger. And as soon as this offspring comes, strange men come and bow down and worship him. And no sooner after that, Joseph then has another angel come to him, or an angel come to him, and is told that they must flee because somebody wants to kill this son. Now, I don't know if you would use peaceful to describe what's taking place here, but I definitely wouldn't. Maybe stressful, overwhelming, worrying, but certainly not peaceful. I wonder if you've walked through these doors this morning more stressed than full of peace. More worried than with peace. Overwhelmed at what this past week threw at you. Look, I'll confess, this was me this past week. Feeling more stressed than with peace. I need peace. And we find this peace in Christ. The one who was freely given to us. And so I imagine a lot of us are probably able to relate more with Mary and Joseph of their feelings of overwhelmness and a lack of peace and more stress than the peace that has been promised. You see, the arrival of Christ brings the peace we long for. In the middle of our stress and anxiety, the Messiah comes in a way that doesn't seem very peaceful. And yet, He somehow is still able to bring the peace that we need. So, So since Christ brings the peace that we need, this must mean that He has an authority about Him must mean that this child has some sort of authority that is unmatched. This authority must be far superior than any type of authority that anyone has ever possessed before. As I was preparing for this, I couldn't help but think to myself, oh, as a parent, what I would do to yield this type of authority to bring peace as one boy is crawling away into one room and throwing everything out of the cupboards and another boy wants a snack and has asked it for it for the 50th time, just a snap of the fingers in peace, that would be amazing. But 
And yet, somehow, this child, this son, has the authority to bring the peace that we need. He's able to promise a peace that our hearts long for. We get a front row seat of people promising us peace year after year. We just had midterms. And the promises always seem to be that this party, this party will bring the peace and stability that we finally need for our country. And yet, I don't know about you, this never really seems to be the case, does it? Year after year, there's not peace. So let's look at what this child will do. The government shall be upon his shoulder. We have to be careful here. Because the temptation is to think of an earthly government. A government made in our own image and likeness. This was the fault of the Pharisees. This is why the people missed who Jesus was as they were thinking that this earthly political king would set things right in an earthly fashion, in an earthly way. That the peace that the, that the religious leaders thought that this earthly king was going to bring was not divine peace, but peace on earth of them being the top dogs, them being the rulers. A type of peace that Israel experienced when Solomon was king. However, the, the government, or the earthly government, isn't being talked about here. The type of government that is being spoken of here is God's kingdom, a, a far superior, a far better government than we have ever seen. This is because God had promised Israel a king that would make all things right. A king who would rule fairly and justly. A king who would lead with compassion and mercy. A king who would not let the wicked go unpunished. but a king who would not be cruel. A king who would lead his people into a deeper relationship with their God. And the very next verse in Isaiah, verse 7, tells us that as this kingdom is being established, that the, the government would have no end. And this peace would live on from eternity and beyond. Jesus arrives and fulfills this promise for us. He inaugurates this kingdom by living a sinless life according to the law of God. 
being sacrificed for our sins. And in our place, Jesus faces the, the full wrath of God. Three days later, rising from the grave, defeating sin and death, showing that He has conquered sin and death. So that when we place our trust in Him, we can have divine peace. We can enter into His kingdom. And He can be our King. But there's another thing that happens when Christ defeated sin and death. We're told that all authority on earth and in heaven has been given to Him. This is good news for us. This perfectly fair and just and merciful King has dominion and power. He became the, the rightful ruler over the creation that was already promised to Him. Trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. He is the rightful ruler over all things. Trust in Jesus. Because one day, every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Trust in Jesus before it's too late. The arrival of Christ is the arrival of the peace that we long for because He can bring the peace. He brings the, the peace because He has been given the authority to establish a peaceful kingdom. A kingdom that brings stability. Okay, so up to this point, you're probably thinking to yourself, Max, you're making a lot of assumptions. Where in the world does this passage even speak about peace? How do we know that Jesus brings peace? By the type of ruler He is. We see the names that get attributed to this Son who will have the government upon His shoulders. His name is Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I don't know if these are still popular or not, but when I was a kid and we would go on trips, my sister would get these things called Mad Libs. It's where you fill in certain words to make a full paragraph about a story. So out of nowhere, my sister from the back seat would say, okay, give me a noun. I need a noun. Somebody come up with a noun. Okay, now an adverb. What about a verb? Does anybody have a verb or a descriptor? These names aren't given to Jesus just by chance. It wasn't as if God was in the heavenly realms and the Father looked at the angels and said, okay, I need a descriptor for, for my son. What should I give him? Gabriel, wonderful counselor? Got it, good. Okay, who else? Michael? No, I don't, I don't think uh, Michael Puny and 
is, is a good one. Um, it's not what God is doing here. This isn't what the Father is doing. They, these descriptors tell us of the qualities of the Son. They tell us of the qualities of how the Son will reign and rule this government that is upon his shoulders. It assures us of who this son is and what type of king he will be. It's not by chance that these names are attributed to him. Jesus is the wonderful counselor, isn't he? We see this quality in Jesus as he lives his life. He is the wonderful counselor that does not lack understanding or knowledge. He knows exactly when to gently come along the woman at the well, and he knows how to speak truth into her. And at the same time, he can come alongside the Pharisees and sternly rebuke them. He doesn't fumble a situation. He doesn't accidentally get it wrong. That is because he's the wonderful counselor who does not lack understanding, but knows and rules with complete understanding. We could look back to Solomon and and see the wisdom that he had, but in this case, Solomon ain't got nothing on Jesus when it comes to being a wonderful counselor. Jesus is the the mighty God. He is the, the conquering king. Jesus was just not merely human. Yes, he was 100% human, but he was also 100% God. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, our conquering King, who is seated in the heavenly places right now, sitting on his throne, reigning victoriously. He is the everlasting Father. Now, now some of us may look at this and think that, that right here Isaiah is transitioning to God the Father, but these are descriptive qualities of what the Son will be like. So Jesus, He has the qualities of a Father. He carefully, meticulously watches over His sheep, and He knows them by name. He cares for them. Just as a father should watch over and care for his children meticulously and hopefully remember their names. And lastly, we see that he is the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. It's not by chance that Isaiah would end with the Prince of Peace and start with these things. It's not by chance that he would say that he is the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and finish with Prince of Peace. Because when you have a a king who is reigning and ruling fairly and justly and is a wonderful counselor and is a a mighty warrior and who, who shepherds his People like a a father, this brings peace and stability. 
There should be no surprise that as we, we come to the New Testament and the angels are singing, they sing peace or on earth peace to men whom he is pleased. So let me ask you as I finish the same way that I started, do you have peace? Not momentary peace. Not momentary peace that you get after a long day and you get to your house and it's quiet. Not momentary peace of getting into your car after work and turning on the radio and singing a song. Not not the momentary peace that you feel when your kids finally go down for bed. Do you have divine peace? Jesus has come as the Prince of Peace to break down the wall of hostility between man and God. Brother, sister, have you walked through these doors this week feeling condemned? Feeling guilty and unworthy? As I mentioned earlier, this is how I started my week. It's a terrible feeling. Remind yourself that Christ has brought peace for you with God. And your trust in Him, it means that you can be assured that you have True peace, real peace, everlasting peace. The arrival of Christ is the arrival of peace we long for because Christ brings this peace because He is the Prince of Peace. So as we enter into this Advent season, let's hold fast to this truth to this understanding that Jesus has the lasting peace that our hearts desire. He brings the peace that we need, peace with God. Last week, my first challenge to us was to hope like little children. And as we hope like little children, let the peace of God inform your hope. That although everywhere else may seem like sinking sand, we can have peace with God. And we can look forward to the eternal peace that's awaiting us. This Advent season... As the weeks get long, as they get chaotic, as for some of you, they get more lonely than you ever thought possible, remember that the arrival of Christ is the arrival of the peace our hearts long for. Let's pray.
Father, we need divine peace that only your Son Jesus can bring. And so please help us trust in your Son Jesus. We thank you for sending him to rule fair, to rule victoriously. It's in his name we pray. Amen.